Some say he's the greatest NRL player to never win a premiership. Others say he's made more impact in his 80 NRL games than Jonathan Thurston, Cameron Smith and Joey Johns ever did in their combined careers. While some, mainly himself, claim he was the reason RTS switched to Union after letting in his first NRL try as a bump and spin manoeuvre, he was definitely responsible for the rise of Dylan Walker, Clint Gutherson, Saifidi Twins and many more, which is the reason, the true reason why he retired after eight games because he was just too good. Whether or not you believe it, there's no denying Josh Starling was a weapon on the field and he's here with me today to talk about his career. Thanks, Josh, for joining me and how have you been so far this week? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for the intro. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that not been too bad. Good start uh, to the Yeah, getting ready for the Koori knockout with your son who's playing for La Perouse Panthers this weekend coming up. Are you yeah. keen? Is your son keen? The vibe about it is is electric at the moment. Yeah, he's, he's keen. It's his first big knockout. So, playing a couple of small ones, stuff like that when we were living out in our Bathurst. But he hasn't played in a big, big one yet over the whole weekend. So, he's keen as. That's Ripper. Um, is he playing for the men's or is he playing under 15s, 16s? What what level is he playing for? Uh, he's just 15s now. So, he's, he's under 15s this year. So, he'll, um, yeah, new bunch of kids that he's playing with. Again, he knows a couple from uh, down here that are playing up there as well. Yep. So it'll be a good um, but yeah, you know, he loves getting out and about and having a good old time and meeting new players and you know, get they got their all their gear and that on Saturday, so he's pretty excited. How oh, that's that's ripper. There's nothing better like literally getting goosebumps just thinking about how good the knockout's gonna be this week, this weekend coming up. So anyone <laughs> yeah, who's listening great. to this, October long weekend, get to Tugra on the Central Coast for one of the biggest Kuru knockouts, the fifty first Kuru knockout. It's it's gonna be electric. With stars and, you know, there should be scouts there, but unfortunately there probably won't be, but we're big believers that they're untapped resource for NRL talent or future NRL talent, I should say, Um, because there's already NRL players that, you know, play in the career knockout. As long as they're not playing in the NRL grand final, they're playing in the knockout. Um, Rick, even in 2019 when David Fafita, win David Fafita, not Titan David Fafita, Flew over from England because he was, you know, play, played for Featherston. Flew over just to play in the knockout. Like, if that doesn't tell people what it means to the Curry people, I don't know what does. But this isn't about the Curry knockout. This is about Josh Starling and his illustrious NRL career. And obviously, wouldn't be remiss if we didn't start. It's grand final weekend coming up. Broncos Panthers, a team you almost played for and a team you didn't play for. What are your thoughts? And who do you think is going to get the chocolates? Um, yeah, well, obviously, two, the top two teams all year. You're pretty much in the last probably six to eight weeks. You knew it was going to be out of them too. Yeah. If you're being fair income, like there's no one really playing on their level, and I think it's going to be a monster game. Like the forward pack, I think the clash of the first twenty minutes is what I'm excited for. Like it's yeah. just going to be a, a bashathon. I think there's going to be blokes shooting out the line trying to exert dominance. Who's going to slip up first? Basically, is going to be the the big question. Who, who can hold their nerve the longest? Yeah, absolutely agreed. Because I mean, as a as a Broncos fan myself, I'm excited but also terrified because all season it's been, as you said, the clash of the Broncos and the Panthers this year. You know who can who can get it? But you know, everyone's been saying this year that if anyone's going to be able to challenge the Panthers in in a in a grand final, it's the Broncos. But it's going to be a bachelor very similar to 2003, believe it or not, 20 years ago. Literally bash him up through the middle and then try and see who breaks first with the tiredness. So 
as a Broncos fan, I'm hoping for the Broncos, but you know, I've also got the Curry knockout that weekend, and I've got my AFL team, um, which is Collingwood. They're playing against the Lions, and 20 years ago, they lost to the Lions in the grand final. Fun fact to anyone who's listening: the actual head coach and assistant coach of Collingwood played in that grand final for Brisbane against Collingwood. So, you know, maybe it's maybe there's some omens. I don't know, <laughs> but um, obviously, we digress. We move on. Born in Winona. The first person to score a try for Manly, being born in 1990 in Winona, in the NRL in 2016. You know, what's it like being from Winona and your junior footy days? Uh, yeah, it's really good. Um, it's Winona. Just oh, Winona. Boy. Sorry, that's my bad. <laughs> that's yeah, it's just because there's the double over for the actual A. That's my bad. Yeah. That's it. There's a lot of things, a lot of towns down here. We got you know, a lot of people calling it either Winona than there's. Bulleye next to it, but people say bully. I say, I, I say bulleye, but yeah, okay, okay, yep. And you get Anandera for Yunandera, like yeah, okay. some crappy ones. But and then you got Dapto, like, that's Dapto. <laughs> yeah, it's crap though, but yeah, you get it. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. plenty. Thanks for that joint, but um, yeah, it's um, it was a really good place to live. You know, I was lucky enough that we lived in a town that you know we had a lot of opportunities. Not too far away from Sydney, we had. Train stations, we got the beach, we had the bush right behind us, you know, the mountains and the water are so close together down here. So, you know, we, we really had the best of both worlds, you know, when there was nothing going on in the summer, we played footy and, you know, went you know, riding our bikes up the mountain. So I was very lucky to have the childhood I have. And, and um, you know, uh, at, the to- at the time, you know, you, sometimes you think, oh, I didn't have this, I didn't have that. But, you know, once you get into the big wide world, you know, my childhood was very lucky, you know, both my parents and everything like that. So very grateful for what I had at home. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome to hear. As you said, you definitely get a, a lot of, um, you know, self-reflection after traveling so much. You're like, I actually had a pretty good sort of thing, you know, and that's, yeah, that's great to hear. What NRL team did you follow growing up? Uh, I was a South fan growing up, same as my dad and my um, my grandfather, so it sort of just got passed down for me at that time. And then, um, yeah, followed him, obviously, going all the way through. was lucky enough to play for him. And things like that, but now I've finished up, and after me time at Manly, I'm a I'm a Manly man. At the so you're you're a Manly convert. Okay, that's yeah. that's very interesting. <laughs> um, and obviously during the the growing up stage of following Souths, um, who was your childhood league idol or hero? You could say. Yeah, I was lucky enough to play with him too, and it was Sato. You know, I, when I really started watching footy as I was a teenager, you know, Sato was coming through the ranks, and they were very very bad at that time. You know. 02, 03, oh, and they yeah. were, they were shocking. And Sato was you know, probably the shining light, him and Mary of those of those teams. And you know, to be able to play with both of them was was crazy. I couldn't believe it. And um, yeah, not not everyone gets to play with or even against your heroes. But you know, I was lucky enough to play with Sato and a few other guys that I admired, like Scotty Geddes and that that came through at the time. That's awesome to hear. I, I can only imagine. Like for me, growing up, it was. Lockie and Webke and all those sort of players. I can only imagine what it would have been like to take the field with them. And you managed to do that with your same respective with John Sutton and Scott Geddes. Oh, it, it would have been amazing. Um, growing up, did you follow any other sports or was, was it just league, league, league? Um, you know, I followed the league mostly, but I was, um, you know, I did a bit of everything. I did a lot of um, surf life saving and stuff like that. So followed that a little bit, just watching the Ironmans and these uh, So uh, Billy Slater? Inspiration? <laughs> <laughs> no, not so much. He's a Queenslander, so no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> up there. Oh, um, no, no, 
I was lucky enough to sort of um, yeah, grow up around all those things and see the Dean Mercers and those old school Ironmen like that that my dad grew up with down at Bullies. So um, it was pretty cool to watch those guys come through. And I came through at the same time as uh, Alistair Day, who's the current you know Newtra Grand Champion and cool oh, wow. gold. Wow, that's pretty awesome to say as well. That's he's from down here at Orilla, so he was a good um, still talk to him. Now. Yeah, I still talk to him now. Like we we pretty much grew up competing against each other and swimming together <laughs> and against each other. So. It was a good, um, yeah. It was good. To, like, it's crazy to see sort of both of us, you know, go go to the heights of our respective sports. And well, and I mean, like it's only your respective sport because you chose to leave the the beach uh, sports competition just to let Alistair have a chance and win something. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that. Uh, I'm, I'm actually having Nutrigrain this morning, and he's on the box. So, oh wow, uh, one of us is doing better than the other. <laughs> uh, no, definitely. That's why you had to leave. You had to pave the way for him to make something of himself. <laughs> um, obviously, an NRL career is not without its trials and tribulations. Um, you signed with South Sydney's National Youth Comp, and that sort of didn't really go to like anywhere. You decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to move up to Tweed Heads and play for the Seagulls. How did that all come about? Uh, yeah, so yeah, after under twenties, we sort of we made the grand final that year, and pretty much South had just signed our whole backline, bar except Nathan Peets. They gave him a train and trial deal, sort of thing, or like a second tier deal. Yep. Stay there, so I ended up moving back here down to Wollongong with mum and dad. Didn't know what I was going to do. Thinking about just going back into you know, working, I guess, and trying to figure out, you know, figure out life. And then, uh, yeah, Jerry Vickery, one of my old mates from school, who was signed to the Titans at the time from the Dragons under-20 system, said they needed a, uh, another roommate. So I just chucked the mattress in the back of me in my car and a bag of clothes and decided took some cash up to Goldie and you know, slept on the floor for a little while. But, you know, yeah, and they told me he was going to play for Tweed Heads. If he didn't play first grade, that was going to be his feeder team. Yep. But okay, so into the needing front rows, they said, yep, yeah, so sweet, started there. So we didn't find out till later on that he was actually going to Billy Heads. But yeah. I already right. stayed. Already... <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Yeah, so, well, I didn't know your time with Billy, but the coach of the uh, team, uh, Benny Anderson, he's... Uh, He'd found out before me, so he came down to training and just got me to sign the deal quickly before I realised that Joey was going somewhere else. But... Oh, oh, that's a bit of a hey go. No, I didn't mind. Like I said, I was a, I'm a staunch New South Welshman, so playing for Tweed is, is a good good mix for me. I didn't want to play. Playing for Tweed in the Queensland Cup, but yeah. yeah still, <laughs> still a New South Wales team. It is technically, yeah. It's the only New South Wales team in the Queensland yeah. Cup. Uh, and what was it like playing at Pigabeen? And all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was really good. The big pen, like we had a. Um, it was that. It was actually the year that there was unseasonable rain in on the Gold Coast, so it was a fucking pigsty for half the season. <laughs> we played a game against. Um, I can't remember who it was. Might have been East or Wyndham or something. And it was just shocking. You couldn't. It was on TV. You couldn't tell who was who. Wow. Good game like that, but yeah, it was it was fun. Like I guess that's what's like. We sort of tried to do that year was like you know make everyone come down here to or come down to Tweed and. You know, really make it a fortress of our own, which was... And it, it was pretty much for that season as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, we won 24 straight, I think, and then lost. Isn't that insane? 24 straight games. Yeah, and then we end up yeah, losing to the same team twice. 
<laughs> so, uh, to our defence, they end up stacking them all, stacking their entire side in the back end of the season when Broncos weren't going so well. So yeah, yeah, of course they buddy. Yeah, they end up playing against like Dane Carlo and stuff like that, and they go final. And, yeah, yeah, mate, we end up losing, but you know it's still a great learning curve for me, and end up having a really good season. I was only just turned twenty-one, playing in the front row, so it was really good. Um, yeah, to play against either blokes in first grade squads or blokes who had played a lot of first grade before or Queensland Cup's obviously very different than New South Wales Cup where a lot of those guys will play there for 10, 15 years. Just Yeah, as in if they, if they haven't played in the NRL, they've been there for yeah. 10 years sort of. Yeah, and they've had great quality coaching that entire time. Whereas like you, even when I played New South Wales Cup down here, you could, the guys that just sort of like called in when they need to or they don't train them as much. Oh, so so you can so you would say that Queensland understand rugby league more than New South Wales. No. <laughs> <laughs> they get Origin as no, I'm just saying, mate. No, that's fair. Obviously, after you um, had a year at Whiteheads, the Broncos came knocking, and you turned them down in favour of heading back down south to the Rabbitohs. Tell us all about that sort of and how it came about. Well, yeah, well, I didn't turn down at the start. I signed the um the pre-season sort of deal with them, one year sort of contract part-time just to go and do a pre-season with them and then I think I was going to North Devils after that for a year at Queensland Cup or whatever but um, yeah, I started there and then um, was living up at Redcliffe with Luke Cable who I knew from South as well so yep. I stayed with him and his family for probably about a month and then um, yeah, a guy that was at South on a second tier deal ended up doing his shoulder and playing for Italy or something and so there was a roster spot that opened up for a couple of years and I took that and moved back to Sydney and stayed with Dill Farrell. He let me lucky enough to let me stay in the back of his back of his house in his granny flat. So I was uh, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to afford to come back. But you know, it was a yeah. a good chance to get back closer to home, which I really missed. I've been away for a year, so good chance to be, you know, just up the road. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what was it like playing under Madge? Because it was tough. Um, you know, obviously he has that you know, mentality, you got to earn everything, and especially us guys who were young who hadn't played footy like first grade before, that we really had to do everything. Like we weren't allowed to miss no sessions, you know. If anything was a bit sore, you know, tape it up, get out there. But being yeah. even like even when we, even during the season, it was hard. Like training was never really easy. Sometimes we'd have to play reserve. If they played Friday night and we played reserve grade Sunday, did make yeah, make yeah. us come in do a full day's training Monday, no recoveries. Just, if we needed the numbers, sometimes it wasn't always like that, but if we needed numbers, that's what we had to do. Yeah. But, yeah, of course. And which kind of helps help build towards that 2014 Premiership Grand Final season for Madge and South Sydney, which unfortunately you ended up going to Manly. Yeah. Just just, just around then. Um, but without you, Souths don't make don't even have the chance to make the grand final that year. So again, like you did with Nutri-Grain, you decided to leave South so that they could, you know, do better. Um, and obviously you signed with Manly. What was it like moving over to Manly, a somewhat a rival of South Sydney? What were the facilities like? What was genuinely, what was it like there? Yeah, it was uh, very different, obviously. We're from South where they just had a full rebuild of Redfern and we had all that sort of really looked after and brand new and fresh and our own lockers and everything like that. And Brand new equipment, brand new gym, brand new physio stuff, video room, everything was pretty much like state of the art at the time. Yeah, even though it was ten years ago, but um, thought it was still state of the yeah, art. Yeah, and then um, yeah, going over to Manly was very different. Um, 
we had no lockers. We had to get changed at the back of our car. We had no no uh-huh. proper showers or anything like that. We just had to share and change rooms with everyone. That was you. And this was in 2014 times. Yeah. Like it was still the same. You, you, you like even though this was 10 years ago, you you don't think about it that way. Like you think that back in the 80s or the 90s, not 2014, especially at a club like Manly. Sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. Well, it was, it was the exact same the three years I was there. We still had it. Didn't have anything when Baz was there. He did his best to get us some stuff and we moved into the, I think it was an old rifle range or something, building at the back of Narrabeen that they hadn't used. And so we went up the back of there and we just had like a, just like those soft mats on the ground with some chairs, which was basically our locker room. <laughs> and Wow. But, um, no, yeah, very different mentalities. You know, Madge was huge on, you know, skin folds, what you ate, how fit you were, this and that, all the stuff that led up to the games. Whereas Manny were, if you're playing well, we really don't care. As long as, long as you're playing well, imagine your KPIs for lack of a better term. Yeah, pretty much. Like you got to, if they notice that you're playing poorly, then they can they, they put a more bit of more of an emphasis on yourself. You know, you know, you're, you're a grown yeah. man. You you know what to do and what not to do if you want to play first grade. So. You either want to have a crack or you don't. So it's, it's up to you. Like, if you want to waste your time eating shit and getting on the piss every week, which not to say we didn't do, but, you know, we, if you want to, you know, a lot of the things was, you know, if you want to party hard, you got to train harder. And that's Yeah, right. gotcha. And they didn't care if we wanted to go out Friday, Saturday night. As long as you show up Monday and you put in the best effort you can do. Yeah. Very, as long as you can keep up sort of yeah, thing. It's very different to the house where we had drinking bands and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's... Literally chalk and cheese as well. Yeah. Like not only the center of excellence difference, but yeah, the mentality difference. And obviously I want to um, bring up your try against the returning as of next season, RTS. He literally had to wait until you retired to come back <laughs> to the NRL. Um, yeah. Um, the try against the Warriors, RTS, or was it when he was playing for the Roosters? No, it was against the Warriors in New Zealand, yeah. It was, it was against the Waz, um over in New Zealand as well. Oh, brave, big, brave feat. Uh, do you remember it like it was yesterday? Let, let us know how it happened. Yeah, it's easy <laughs> to remember. I only got two. <laughs> time but, uh, Fair. Yeah, it was a good uh, good feeling. More happy and joyful, but also a huge relief. Like I didn't want to keep going and keep going. And eventually I hadn't scored and I was near the end of me. Like Alex 12. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, so I'd actually had one similar to his taken off me the year before. Wow. I um, sent it to the bunker and said, um, I can't remember, it was someone grounded it just before me, Jeff Robson, I think. I was trying to get away with it, but yeah, I missed that one and then yeah, I had to wait again until my 50-second game to, to get over the line. But yeah, it was a good feeling and I just remember everyone being just so happy and... I was lucky enough to do it with like guys I've been there with for a long time, like Jakey and uh, Appy and D Walks and that who were who were at South when I was there as well. So it was good good to um, share that moment with them. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, Appy wouldn't be too happy right now with the double spoon. Obviously, he didn't get the spoon last year, but got the spoon this year with the Tigers. Um, what are your thoughts on the Tigers last two seasons? This is sort of side tangenting, but I've got to get your opinion on. Basically, what is you could say a clusterfuck going on over at Wests? Yeah, well, I think they've got the same issues as a lot of clubs at the moment is their recruitment, which is, I think, is kind of starts from juniors all the way up. Really, you know, if you don't have the right recruitment guys, then you're just not doing the right thing. You know, you can see 
how good the Storm are at it or the Broncos or even the Cowboys to a degree. Like they've found their sort of players that they want for that style of game and then they bring them in. They're not sort of just signing guys just for the sake of signing guys. You know, yeah, you see a 16-year-old that's 110 kilos and he's tied him without even actually looking at him playing is the major issue in the game and it has been for a long time. Like, the great thing about rugby league is you don't need to be a great athlete to be a good footy player. No, that's it. You don't have to be, as as the old adage goes, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work. You can be the most gifted player, as I'm sure you can attest to this, Dave Taylor, one of the fucking most talented players that people, many people that I've interviewed have said he's one of the most talented players, but just he didn't have the love or somewhat the hard work ethic because he just didn't really love rugby league. Whereas you'll get players who are the most hardworking and it pays off for them sort of thing. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, Big Diffie was an unbelievable talent and he had all, you know, the, the physique to, to be a great rugby player and he had a great career, like played Origin and for Australia and stuff like that. So, yeah, but I think it also is hard when, you know, you see kids... Like Dave, who was so big when they were kids. Sometimes yeah. they don't learn that hard work because they don't have to. Never, yeah. They've never had to try to learn because they've just been so much better than everyone else. By the time yeah. everyone else catches up, they don't really have a built in them because they might be 18, 19 already. So it's, it's an adjustment some people have to make and some people just, like you said, you got to have the love to do it or you don't have the love to do it. But, you know, you're going back to the recruitment side of things. A lot of them don't even, like, necessarily even have a lot of skill. There's like, oh, you know, he's 110 muscle, he squats, you know, this and that, and he runs this fast. Like, it's all well and good, but can he catch and pass? Can he, can he, yeah, exactly. defense? Can he make a proper tackle? That's that's what you need to, you know, sort of look at. And I think that's a major problem when you look at schoolboy football. And if not, is he trainable to be able, is he coachable to learn those things as yeah. well? Like you said, you see, you know, your Bellamy's and your, your Bennett's and even Maguire to a degree, like they sit down and talk to them before yeah. they sign them because they don't want to they don't even necessarily talk about football what's yeah. your life like what do you like to do? what's your interest you know Bellamy's probably and I saw match first and he's probably one of the specials out of it is like what gets him going yeah what makes him tick you know you see I watch a lot of obviously American documentaries where Mike Ditko when he had the um, the Chicago Bears when they were one of the best teams defensive teams ever yeah he says on his documentary he goes he goes, I'm not interested about how fast he runs and how much weight he lifts. He goes, that's all well and good, but it's got nothing to do with him being a football player. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is a, is a great motto to have because, yeah, like you said, you can chuck him in a weight room and he, anyone can learn how to do weights. But, you know, are you willing to put your body on the line for the team? Are you willing to... Try- are you willing to do 20 sets of those weights every day, not just five sets every day sort of thing? And like, are you, yeah, are you willing to get flogged six days a week just to, to just to be told you're back in reserve grade. Like, what are you gonna do? And, and with the, with the possibility of getting flogged against the team you're going to play against that week as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly right. And it's not for everyone, but you got to yeah, like you said, you got to love it, or you got to love the um, you know, love the grind and really appreciate what's coming and what's so who's been before you and what you got to do to get there. And I understand now, like it's a lot easier for kids to get noticed with being able to share everything and. You can post all online if you need to. So, but you got to really, really look at. I think it's a problem with the whole game, not just the Tigers. And like that, yeah. it's like I go to these schoolboy, you know, carnivals and watch my son play and things like that. And then you see the selectors; they're not even watching. Like they're they're talking yeah. to each other and they're there for a holiday. Really, like it's it's honestly a piss take and embarrassing. Like 
you wish you could just take a photo of them all standing talking to each other while the game's on and send it back to their clubs and just go on. It's just like that you trust building your club for 10 years because he's not even watching anyone. Like, yeah. Get, it's, get, it's bullshit to that extent. Yeah. Like, I see all that, but I don't see like Storm representatives there because they know it's under 15. So, like, exactly. good. if they want someone, they'll go watch him four or five times. Club yeah. level, how he plays, you know, it's not necessarily how he plays at Rebel. How does he go when he goes back and he's got to play with kids that aren't good or kids at exactly. not grade level? Do they bring him up? Are they about like, are they going to just yell at kids for not doing their job? Are they selfish? Like, do they share the ball around? Like, things like that. So that's what stuff you got to notice rather than just, yeah, obviously size, speed of someone. How do they play? You know what I mean? Like, you see a lot of good. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you see a lot of good talent and it's easy to go watch five minutes of a game go, well, he's unreal. But yeah, what's he like when he needs to find a bit of resilience? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What what what's he like when he, you know, is his back's on the line, they're down by, you know, six points in the last ten minutes, sort of yeah, thing. How's he talk to his teammates? Is he a kind of leader that you want on your team? Is he or even in the opposite, is he someone who just sits quiet and that's not what you need? You're looking for someone who can take no. charge, like or is he someone who comes off the field and goes, Oh, you know, I scored two tries, not my fault. You don't want Yeah. You don't, you don't want guys like that. No, no, you really don't. That's the fact that there's people like that, though, <laughs> says a lot. And and as you said, when it comes down to the interview process, you know, with um, Bellamy or, or or any coach really, and they ask questions, not even to do with footy, because you can tell a lot about a person how they're going to be on the field by asking them about their life, and you can tell if someone has that mentality of, oh, I scored two tries, not my fault, just by having a conversation with them. And that's as you said, not the person you want in your team. And obviously, another team that wanted you in their team as of 2016, 2017, was the Knights. Obviously, you hauled us from Manly all the way up to Newcastle, Novocastrians. What was it like over up in up in Newcastle? Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed my time up there. Um, obviously, it was, it was a different challenge to go from a culture where you want to win and expected to win to a place where you know, they were really struggling. They didn't win a game the year before, and I think they didn't hadn't won a game Actually, they did win one game that year, and it was against the Tigers. Oh, they, had a, they had a draw. <laughs> one, one game all season, and it was against the Tigers. No, they had a draw that year. Yeah, was it? they had a draw. They didn't actually win. Oh, jeez. Jeez. Far out. So, like, I was playing you know, with guys that had 20 games under their belt with zero wins. Like, yep. it's, it's a different sort of thing. Like, they didn't know. A bit demoralizing for them, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, that was a hard thing to go there. Some of them didn't care because they were playing first grade, which was hard to take, you know what I mean? Yeah, because you'd be like, hey, I'm here to win, yeah. not... That attitude of yeah. like, you know, oh, I'm just doing this and that, I'll make this many metres or this many tackles. So it didn't bother them, whereas like... Ah, uh, okay. My, everyone, I spoke to them about it and they sort of, that's when, you know, you're trying to give as much, you know, guidance as you can. He's like, I don't care if I only have seven runs or whatever, as long as they're good quality and I'm doing my job. And I'm making my tackle. Yeah, as long as I'm get, as long as I'm making my tackles, getting my bump and spin tries against RTS, you know, as long as, long as I'm meeting my personal KPIs and I have a good individual game, you know, I can go off the field happy with with the performance sort of thing. Yeah, it's all, but it's almost like you might not have a great game, but it's about winning. Yeah, you might not get the 15 carries you want, but your job that game might have been to 
pressure the kicker every time or pump them yeah. in and slow that ruck down or just identify your short sides and cover your short sides properly. And the effort there is no one really thinks about and there's no real stats on your one percenters the kick pressure and a good kick chase and stuff like that. That's yeah. the stuff that you have to be good at in the middle, especially. And you see, you see all the, you know, oh, he makes this many metres or he has this many carries. I think that's the most impressive thing about Pat Carrigan to me is not his runs and his tackles. It's the effort that he puts in from Marco. It's the effort that he puts in on kick chase. People don't, that's the thing. It's, um, it's, um, removing my Broncos bias, people don't see that. Also, when he come back from his ACL two years ago, he added an offload yeah. to his game. And next level, and people, again, don't really realise that sort of yeah. stuff. And I think, but like sort of, like obviously you got your patties and your passes and, and Adam, obviously, that are fucking unbelievable middles and things like that. But I still think all-rounded, if you're going to pick a player, I think James Fisher-Harris is the, is the bloke that you look at to be like, He's the pinnacle of the game. He might not be stats-wise, runs, metres and things like that. He still runs 150 metres plus a game. <laughs> Insane, yeah. But, but he does the one percenters even better than watch that. Watch him go for marker and always tie in. He's always there and he's always trying to move around and help his teammates out. And that's why Penrith are so good. Yeah. It's not just about – and now the Broncos are because obviously for years they had all that talent. The young kids that, you know, Payne Hatton that were running for 200 metres still when they were getting pumped. Now he's, yeah. he's in the kick – He's in the kick pressure. He's doing all those little things that make him great. He made bloody 50 through a line break the other night against the Warriors. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he's just now he's added that to his game, but that just comes with age, too, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whereas in the spoon season, he would have just waited for them to wrap him up. He wouldn't have given the extra the legs an extra pump to try and get through, sort of. Yeah, yeah. that's just what comes with, like, you know, these young guys that are just killing it at the moment, which is just like it's crazy to see the front row, like. The mold that it now the front row has taken into this game being so much quicker. Like, if you're not playing, if you can't play the first pretty much half or 35 minutes, 30 minutes to 40 minutes as a front row starting now, you know, a lot of it's a waste. Like, when I played, yeah, the game was so slow and you were still, we were doing 20 minutes each half, 20 sort minutes of thing. Since, and that was it. And you pretty much had four middles on the bench all the time, like a most hooker, 80 minute hooker. Well, example, I mean, as I'm sure you remember, Willie Mason. I don't know if he was at the Knights when you were there, but um, yeah, there, there was some footage obviously when he was mic'd up during a game for the Knights. There's, it's, it's on YouTube. I'll send you the link after we've, we're done recording. And he was like, "Tell, tell Wayne, I'm a 25 minute player," <laughs> sort of thing. And whereas, as as you were just saying, the forwards and the middles these days need to be making, you know, 30, 30, 35 minutes a half, and. My next question is, you were saying they're a whole new breed. Well, you were part of helping bring that new breed in, in particular the Saifidis. What were they like being youngsters at the Knights and, you know, taking them under your wing? Yeah, it's always a good joke. I love to have with them now that they kicked on and played Origin and stuff. <laughs> good to have that claim to fame. But, um, no, obviously the talent was always there. And that's what I've always spoke to them about is, like, like, I knew that they were better than me even at 20. And I was 26 at the time. And I knew that they were going to have much better career than I was ever going to have, but they still had that sort of thing about, yeah, their metres and their carries and things like that. But, you know, then they've, once they got a bit older and they switched that focus, you know, they're not only getting the metres now, now what's my next role is finishing tackles, making sure I'm dominating tackles, making sure I'm tying in, in defence and things like that. And that's the stuff that turns you into, obviously, origin players on top of being great ball carriers 
and stuff yeah. like that. Obviously, physically they're very gifted, which helps. But they, I know, obviously, as again, how hard they've worked to get to where they are. They weren't, they were not fit at all when I was there, and now they've got they're playing huge minutes because they've just taken that role of. They had to grow into that leadership role. I just twenty three basically, because yeah. there wasn't a big turnover of leaders in Newcastle, and they both just taken. No, there wasn't. But that's good credit to them. That's like sort of how they've been their whole lives. You know, they've taken it on their own, like just them raised by a single mother and doing great things and and stuff like that. Like they just took that ownership role of being leaders because that's what they were like as kids to their siblings and things like that. Absolutely, huge credit to them. You know doing what they've done because it would, it would have been easy for them to just take the back seat, take the cash anywhere they could. They probably could have gone. Well, I know they could have gone to other places for a lot more money than they did when they first stayed in Newcastle when they were still getting beaten. You know, teams were throwing a lot of money at two giant front rowers who were 20, <laughs> only 20 years Yeah. But you can see that they've, the love they have for Newcastle being from the Central Coast, pretty much their local team really, and having the, um, the drive to make their team better. Has only and you know has seen them have this really good year and had them individually playing Origin and hopefully they get to play together either next year or the year after and you know just watching them grow and grow has been been unreal. That's incredible. Um, and obviously during your time at the Knights, the last bit I've got before we go into um, retirement and whatnot. Obviously you were there when the Rory Cross Jason injury occurred in the preseason leading into twenty seventeen. Um, Again, another bloke from the Central Coast, absolute legend, won the 2015 Grand Final with the Cowboys, had been part of the Storm system as well. Come into the Knights to help, you know, sort of bolster them, you know, really drive for, you know, a successful season. Anything, any season would be successful if you don't make, if you don't win the spoon that year. That's basically what it, what it comes down to that season. And he cops a, an injury from Danny Levi in the preseason. What was it like during that day sort of thing, if you can remember it? Yeah, I still remember him just going down, and um, he tried to kick through, and he just couldn't couldn't keep going. Like he, like we knew how tough he was, obviously playing against him and that a few times, and seeing the great few years he had at the Cowboys, winning the comp and stuff like that. And, and then obviously anyone at that time coming out of Melbourne knew him. Oh, yeah. hard workers, so he was basically he was our marquee guy, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, him or Jamie Bureau, one of the two were, were the marquee guy that season, and. So we all came at the same time, and obviously, and I mean, you would have been with Bureau at Manly, so you knew his ethics as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And we us three came from those sort of cultures about winning and, and working really hard to get the results. And Rory was a huge loss. So I can't like obviously might not have made the finals or whatever, but I know for sure we would have won a few more games with him steering us around. It's definitely yeah. a big loss. Like, yeah, like you watch him, like he played at under Smith, Cronk, Slater, Thurston. Like just yeah, one more yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the only thing you could add to that would be if you'd have played up as Joey, sort yeah, of thing, yeah. like or, or Lockie, you know, yeah. like geez, that that's that's quite an impressive resume, but still nowhere near as impressive as yours. Um, <laughs> and that's that leads into the retirement chinwag. Obviously, twenty seventeen ends up being your final season in the NRL. Um, as a non-regular starter, first of all, I've got to ask, how did you deal with injuries and rehab? As in, you were regular at Manly, but, you know, you were still sort of a fringe sort of player. And how did, how did you deal with that compared to, say, a regular starter would sort of thing? Yeah, well, when I, yeah, obviously, it's hard at South, you know. We, like I said, they were expecting you to just do the work because 
you haven't really earned your stripes yet and things like that. And at the time you do it and then you sort of look back and you're like, it's good that you learn it, but, you know, at what cost, you know what I mean? So, yeah, like at what benefit is this giving me sort yeah. of thing? So I think they're a little bit smarter about it all now. And that's no, good. The RPA has really stepped in to do a lot of this stuff where injury prevention and, you know, time off and making sure you everyone's no, now that's a top 30 and not just a top 25 where that's what we used to have. Yeah. All those guys that were outside the top 25 had no minimum wage. They could pay you whatever the fuck they wanted. Whether they, like some guys weren't getting paid at all. That's heinous. <laughs> some guys weren't getting paid at all and just they'd just be ringing them up saying, can you come train it today? And they felt like they had to because they were trying to get a spot. Yeah. Right, and that's, then you get, that's, that's get, taking advantage to the next level in my mind. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And like even myself, obviously being a second tier player and then 30 grand a season, but you have to train full time. Like it's hard. Well, how am I supposed to live off 30,000 a yeah. year? Especially in Sydney. Like I was lucky that I had to deal with where I was in here. Well, yeah, rent, exactly. Week rent, and that was for everything. Like that was food, internet. Oh, that's so good. Well, but, but as you were saying, 30 grand a year and you're expected to train full time. How are you supposed to be able to maintain a, you know, a, a job if, you know, to help supplement the 30,000 income? Like that's less than a, than a cleaner. That's less than a, than a, um, a bloody uh, teacher. You look, I know that Manly in particular years ago when David Williams was starting there in 2008, they uh, they would put their players that were on those sort of peanuts contracts or no dollars contracts, they would get them work at their leagues club, at the Brookvale Leagues Club, yeah. and they would work there. Like, at least they did that. Did South Sydney offer anything like that? Yeah, well, you could do it, but, like, at the time, we were just training so much, like, and then we were, yeah. we were the last guys to get, you know, whether you had, like, the massage or weights or whatever. We were always the last group because we were just the shit kickers. So we'd be there early to do everything and then sometimes we wouldn't be home till 6.30 at night anyway. So then you got to be back there by 7 the next morning, like how much time? Yeah, so there's really no point going to work yeah. sort of then, thing. Like, if you do go to work and you come in tired to when they get up here for not getting enough sleep or not performing well the next day because you're tired and then they're going to make you make a choice. Yeah. Radio in three, two. Yeah, it's just, it's absolutely bullshit in my opinion. And by the way, feel free to swear as much as you want in this podcast. It's not a, um, you know, people can see it as PC as they want, but, you know, if you need to swear, you swear. Um, obviously, during your retirement, you've played at Thoreau Butchers, Shell Arbor Sharks, especially in particular, you're wearing the jersey right now. What was it like at Thoreau? Yeah, it was good. Uh, obviously, being from the sort of northern suburbs of Wollongong, that was, that was the team that, you know, highly successful. They, they won the comp again this year for the first time in a while, but they were always a highly successful club without having to pay money for people, which was a good the culture yeah. and things like that. You know, you're competing against big clubs with huge league clubs. The rules always thereabouts without even having to, um, you know, pay those, pay those big dollars for the credit to the club and, and what they do and just sort of the people they can keep around because they enjoy it so much. And <clears throat> we had a good start to the year and then unfortunately COVID, COVID uh, snapped, stopped the season short. And Yeah, yeah but had other plans. Yeah, then after that, I sort of just, yeah, I was doing the family thing, so I had a year off. I was supposed to go back, but just didn't didn't have the drive in me. I was pretty pretty done. Just I've been playing footy for a long time and 
COVID was here before as well, so I'd only played half a season in the last sort of three years. I come to Sri Lanka yeah. and things like that, and thought I'd give it another crack, and yeah, so I found the love for the game a bit again, and I wasn't as fit as I wanted to be this year. Just obviously, you know, being a dad of three, it's it's hard to train all the yeah. time you want, and you know, I want to spend time with my kids as well, my partner, and to do the family thing first before I put, you know, because at the end of the day. Some people love it and it's their life, but you know it's it's park football, really. Like I don't need to be putting things off or missing things out of my family just to go play a game of park footy. No, oh, absolutely. But in saying that, um, Shell Harbour made the grand final this year and unfortunately come up short. But I like to see it as you can't win it every year, and you thought you might gift it to another team named Jerangong Lions because you know why win in your final two years because you are going around again next year. Let them win this year so then you can continue on next year and, you know, really go out with a bang. Um, what was the grand final like for you? Yeah, it was, it was very hot. Um, it was an un, unseasonably hot few days and playing out at Albion Park is probably the hottest place in Wollongong. So it was even um, even worse. Great yep. field, great setup, but it sort of sits in a huge hole, like bowl as well. So yeah, so just keeps all the bloody yeah, heat heaps in. Heaps of schools around in there. And obviously, yeah, Jerringong are a great side as well. Been a great side for a long time. They've won the most comps by far in this competition. And yeah, unfortunately, let them get another one. But, you know, bounce of the ball sometimes is just footy. And they're fortunate enough to get that bounce under the post. But, you know, you do make your own luck as well. So they got to be there to get the balls at the same time. It was a tough game. And um, yeah, we're still pretty excited about next year. We've got a young squad it's still to go around again. And, you know, we'll learn our mistakes and things like that. I had an injury plague sort of back end of the year, so I wasn't as fit as I wanted to be and um, stuff like that. But, you know, hopefully we can have another great great preseason leading into another big year. Yeah, fair. Well, I mean, fingers crossed for you. I'll be rooting for the Shell Arbor Sharks, something I thought I'd never say, but I'll be rooting for you next season, absolutely. Um, obviously, in retirement, a lot of, um, you know, introspective looks, you know, at the career you had, the the player you were, the player you are, this, that, the other. So what would be your personal highlight? Um, yeah, I'd say obviously played with a lot of good players, but, you know, it's hard to go past your debut game. You know, something yeah. so special to have all your family and friends there and, and things like that. We've got, I was lucky enough to play it in Sydney so everyone could come and watch as well. Didn't play it in Townsville or anything like that. So, but, um, yeah, it was my bus loaded mates come up and then my whole family was there as well so it was a good um good to get the winners uh, on top of that and oh that's even better have a good um yeah good couple of beers after it and just really really soak it up so i think probably yeah, my debut was my favorite game well every player i've interviewed um tends to say that the the, the debut game is like the quickest game they ever have in their life like it literally it's like that it's over would you agree with that statement? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was a good. It was definitely a, a washing machine sort of game. Like, um, I got ahead early, and I think that's probably why I made put me on as early as he did. Maybe he would have left me for the second half, but sort of chucked me on. And then that's unfortunately when the tide turned, and we all we did was tackle the entire time I was out there. It was, a, it was just <laughs> yep. a lot of repeat set after repeat set, and well, I made my debut against the Cowboys. So obviously JT was there. And the great player is, you know, just dribbling in the end goal constantly and getting repeat sets and sort of things like that and knew how to really pull the strings of teams. So we were lucky enough to win, but, you know, I went on sort of as we were up 20 nil, and then, you know, as things do in rugby league, they tend to turn a little bit. And so we just tackled and tackled and tackled. So, But, um, yeah, I really loved it. And, you know, 
if you're going to relive it again, you, you do it for sure. Oh, I mean, it's the stuff that it's the stuff of dreams, literally. Um, and obviously, I've got some quick fire questions to finish off, but I've got a question either side of that. First question is, what are you doing with yourself these days? Uh, just, yeah, living back home down in Wollongong and just working in the mines uh, four nights a week, doing that just to, you know, get some money together so I can hopefully get back into some youth work soon and and continue my passion. Nah, uh, yeah, playing for Shalaba, obviously, and coaching my son's Kaima team, which is really good, really a highlight of what I do and what I love. Another Knights team, Kaima Knights. Yeah, another Kaima Knights team. The boys just went back-to-back, winning the Premier Division. Hey, good yeah, on them. So not easy to do. They've only lost one game in three years, so it's a really good um, really good well, side. Yeah. And I like to thank my coaching, but, yeah, they were pretty good before over there. <laughs> no, it's absolutely your coaching. Well, without your coaching, they don't go back to back. So okay. it's definitely your coaching very, to continue. Very good side. Pretty lucky to jump on the bandwagon when we moved back from Bathurst in under 13s to get get them on there and um, yeah, have a few good wins. Well, I mean, the Kaima Knights have produced a lot of a lot of NRL talent. So maybe fingers crossed, somewhere in the near future, your son will be, you know, a dragon or a bulldog or. Whoever they, he decides or hope or wants to play for, quick fire questions. We've got our favorite movie of all time. Oh, um, I can't remember what I said last time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I think it was Remember the Titans. Remember I think yeah. if I'm going to go pick one, I've got to watch forever. It'd definitely be that one for sure. It, it's a great film. How do you like your steak? Medium well. Okay. Okay, as long as it's medium, and as in to some extent, just not well done. I that's fair. It doesn't really bother me. What's your drink of choice? Um, two is new, man. At the moment, okay. grew up and sort of always drank BB till I retired, and sits a bit heavy on the gut, which you're waiting pretty quick. So I've moved over to moved over to new. Have Have you tried better beer? That's from the yeah. that's created by the lads from Jerangong, uh, the inspired on employee. Yeah, 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 better. Yeah, it's a good job. Really enjoy. And it's that it's real again, it's like um it's less heavy on the guts if you want to if you want to train the next day, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it could be they're killing it too, those boys. hundred percent they are. Um Apple or Android? Apple. Absolutely. Hands down. And my last question for you is what's next for Josh Starling? Um, yeah, just trying to be the best dad I can be now, you know. Next chapter of my life that I really enjoy hanging with the kids and you no know, saying you know, where my son wants to take his football, whether it's wants to kick on or he just wants to play locally, you know, just support him as much as I can and give him some advice when he needs it. Not that he takes it on because no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not cool. He, not. That and because he knows better. Yeah. I have 15 sort of things. I pretty much just have to tell other people what to tell him and then he listens. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, other than that, yeah, it's good just being a good dad and being a good partner and trying to do the best thing I can do for my family. Yeah, fair. 